92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying healthy. Hope you're staying safe. Across this country, there's a multitude of things going on. I just hope that you're keeping a smile on your face and you're doing well. And, you know, I know a lot of people are struggling out there trying to make sense of it all. Just reach out to somebody if uh, you're having trouble. Talk to people. Have that conversation. Call them on the phone. Don't text. Don't social media message them. Have that live conversation because it'll do a world of good for you and probably the other person. So hope everyone's doing well on the West Coast. It just seems to be totally out of control as we're recording this episode tonight. I hope by the time this airs, things are better. Things are more under control over there in Washington, Oregon, and Northern California. So our thoughts are with you. We're pulling for you. And hopefully, it gets it, there's a there's a fix for it coming soon. Either rain or just you know the firemen, the true heroes in this all are able to put all that stuff out. But as I've always said, we are here for you. We're talking rock and roll. We offer the escape that you need for those passionate about music, for those passionate about rock music. We continue to discuss timely rock topics that are affecting you and bringing on great interviews, such as the one we're about to have today. It's the second time we've talked to a member of a band in New Zealand. We're going back, and we're talking to Charlie Wallace, the guitar player for the band Black Smoke Trigger. What's going on, Charlie? Hey, how's it going, man? Great to be here. Yeah, man, thank you for doing this. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Chris Corradetti, who is a huge fan of you guys, who just got a care pack from you guys, and he's all over Twitter posting pictures, and he sent me the DM about it, which is looks wicked cool. But he was the one that introduced me to you guys, and ever since then, I've just been a huge fan. Caught under, you know, caught in the undertow was a great single. You just released one today. You can't have it all, which is just an awesome video. It's got like this whole. Game of Thrones type of vibe to it. It's really cool. So thanks again for doing this. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, man. Yeah, as I said, it's awesome to be here and uh, looking forward to 
and yeah, what you're going to pick from a brand. <laughs> well, we always begin the same way we all, with with a new time or a first time guest that's new to the show, and that question is basically the essence of the podcast, which is just like every rock song has a moment that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, a song, a performance, or an album that pulls them into rock and roll and hooks them on rock and roll. What was it for you? For me, I was um, I was into skateboarding when I was like 13. And I got out like a, a skateboarding VHS videotape. And on that, a song played and I had no idea what the song was and I went through the credits of the song of the of the, uh, of the video over and over and over and over again and just trial and errored my way until um, I found out that song was Paranoid by Black Sabbath and the, when I heard that intro of that song uh, that was the, that was like that was my moment that I knew that I wanted to play guitar that I knew I wanted to play that song on guitar so that was really the, the absolute crystal clear moment for me where did it go from there um you know you mentioned paranoid what was what came after that talk about your evolution what was your evolution into rock and roll well i mean the first thing i did was try to download that song off the internet and that didn't quite work out because um i'd heard you could do it but i didn't know exactly where to go and do it and um, the first thing that came up was a guitar set. So, you know, I picked up the guitar and just started trying to, you know, trying to play it. And then from there, it was, you know, like looking back at my uh, my dad's old records of, you know, ACDC and Eric Clapton and then just started just falling in love with, you know, a lot of 70s music. So, you know, I really went through Alice Cooper, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Kiss. And, you know, that was really where I, I found my, I really, you know, found my identity in a way. And then, you know, from that, it was, you know, just slowly moved almost through the, the generations of rock, you know, slowly went into, uh, you know, into the 80s sort of style stuff that was obviously really inspired by all the bands I just mentioned. And then so, um, you know, going into, you know, bands like, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses and, and Skid Row and so just following that evolution on and then just fell in love with, you know, grunge music and then, it was all retrospective for me. So I, I didn't experience this as, as it was coming out, you know, and then so it, in the same way, though, it was, um, I, I still kind of experienced it in linear fashion because I fell in love with the 70s music first and then just sort of, you know, went through the, uh, the, the decades like that. You know, it's interesting when you start pulling back the orange on rock music where you start with a band that you like and then you go on to what influenced them. And then you pull the, you know, pull back the orange even further and go into what influenced that. And you can go on this rabbit hole for a long time and just listen to all different sorts of music. But it all comes together in what people are playing on albums and songs and how they write. And you can hear the influences once you start to listen to it. I mean, you know, there's been so many bands over the decades where I've done that. And then when you re-listen to what you started with, you hear it completely different. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So what made you want to be in a band? I mean, you talked about picking up a guitar, listening, you know, getting in all this music. What was the moment where you wanted to get on stage and perform? Uh, well, it was it kind of seemed like a natural evolution, you know, like 
looking at videos of you know these guys playing on stage, playing guitar, like like the song I mentioned, Tony, you know, like uh, with Black Sabbath, Tony Army playing Paranoid. I'm going, wow, I want to do that. Just the power that he seems to have, and you know, the control over you know this audience that was just having such a good time. Uh, you know, that was something that I wanted to experience, and then so just straight away just started putting bands together, and and pretty much I've been almost in bands for as long as I've been playing guitar. I was only playing guitar for you know, eight or nine months before I was actually up on stage playing. So I sort of jumped straight into it. And jumping straight into it, how was that? I mean, you mentioned that you weren't playing guitar very long. You must have been pretty confident in your ability, or was it just learn, you know, trial by fire? Uh, well, I mean, I just literally, uh, I've, I've always been a pretty obsessive person. And, and so whatever I do, I just, go for like with it like 200 percent and then so even though i had you know essentially only played guitar for eight or nine months before getting up on stage and playing it was um i had just literally i'd probably played you know more than people who played play for 10 years because it was all i did and um you know getting up on stage the first time was (laughs) hilarious you know because you got no idea what to expect and I was absolutely terrified. And, you know, obviously, the more more you get on stage, you know, now I absolutely love it. You know, this was a long time ago. But um, it was yeah, just one of those things of just, yeah, getting up there and, and just learning how to how to be in a band and then learning the kind of people you want to be in a band with and learning that, you know, sometimes people want to be in different bands, but, <laughs> you know, you happen to be in the same band and it's not going to work out. And so, it's, um, it was, yeah, it was definitely a... It's, it's interesting, you know, this is obviously, you know, back when I'm like in, in high school and, you know, just leaving high school, uh, going through all this kind of stuff. And so it was, um, you definitely learn a lot playing with other musicians. What about writing? You know, when you started to develop your influences and you started to listen to more music and you're playing on stage and you're coming up with your own licks, what was that like? Well, I mean, the first song I remember writing, I just got so excited. Um, I, I remember the moment of like being in my room. I lived in this little kind of dungeony concrete room and it had like really shallow ceilings and just, you know, metal posters just lining the walls. And I remember just coming up with something, you know, learning some, um, I think I was you know, trying to learn a Metallica song and I just started playing it completely wrong and was like, Hey, this is, this isn't Metallica song. This is something new. Just getting really excited and then, you know, trying to put some lyrics to it. And the the feeling that I got from that was, you know, it was just a really, really exciting feeling. Like I just created something from, from nothing. Now there's this thing. It's a song. And then, you know, from there I just started developing, uh, you know, more and more songs. And then, so in my bands, you know, would obviously be playing originals and, you know, mix of originals and covers when I was like, you know, and still in high school. And, it was, you know, just looking at songs and going like, right, well, what songs do I like? You know, what's the vibe? What does that make me feel? And can I create something from scratch that's going to, you know, have that sort of same, that same vibe? And am I going to be just as excited playing this stuff as, you know, playing my favorite song? And then so for a long time, I was, you know, I'd always be pretty much like the sole writer in a band. Um, that's something different here in Black Smoke Trigger, which I really like, is just how collaborative we are. Well, let's get dive into Black Smoke Trigger, because 
You guys are phenomenal. I mean, all the music that I hear from you guys are, you know, is incredible. How did you guys start? You. What's the, yeah. Yeah. What, what's the history of Black Smoke Trigger? Well, me and, uh, and the singer Boldrick, uh, it's kind of funny, right? I was in this band called Horace and we were a three-piece band, and I was the singer. The reason why I was the singer was because I couldn't find a singer. And, you know, we, I live in a pretty small town, relatively, you know, especially compared to, you know, like, the, the entire population of New Zealand is, is like four and a half, five million, you know, and uh, it's about like 60,000 people here in my hometown. And with that, um, I couldn't find someone who was going to be, you know, dreaming big enough and had the skills to do it. So I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to be the singer. So I was in a, a three piece band and we, you know, like started going out and playing, uh, you know, playing shows and we got quite a big uh, following. We went over to Europe, played some shows. And then I started, uh, you know, I went to high school with Baldrick. And then I didn't really see him for a little while. And then one day he just turned up to one of our gigs. And then he just started turning up more and more. And he ended up being like a pretty big fan of what we were doing in that band. And then so he'd come on road trips and we'd play out-of-town shows and stuff. And then it's um, this one night we had a gig. And I was at a friend's place afterwards. We are having this after party. And then he just pulls these headphones out of his pocket and these big bulky headphones, I got no idea how he even put them in there. And he says, Hey man, can you ever listen to this? Uh, I want to see what you think. And I was like, okay. And so check him on. He's like, I said, like, what is this? He goes, oh, some, some demos that I've, I've recorded. And then I was listening to it and I was thinking, man, whoever's singing on this sounds absolutely phenomenal. And so I said to him, I was like, who's singing? And he says, ah, uh, I'm singing on these, but I mean, I need to find a singer like this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a guitar player. I need to find a singer. And I was just like, dude, you need to sing these songs. Like, this sounds amazing. This sounds incredible. And he was not convinced. I mean, because, you know, he just sung on it just in the same way that I'd sung in my band just because I needed a singer. And then, so, you know, with that, then uh, my drummer was there and uh, his name's Matt and he he'd heard you know, who these demos as well. And he was like, man, like, I'm going to, I'm going to play drums for this. Like, this, this sounds awesome. And then, so, um, I ended up actually playing guitar. We kind of ended up with this like side project with, um, you know, with Baldrick, but he just still didn't want to be the singer. And then it just got to the point where, um, Adrian, who was playing a bass in that band was like, we're having some drinks one time. He's like, how on earth are we going to get Baldrick to sing? Because we need him to sing. Like he, has this amazing voice and we need him to realize it because he just sounds so amazing. You know, how can we do it? And then, so I said, let's just get another guitar player. This like almost semi kick him out of his position in his own band so that he's forced to be the singer. And then, um, and that seemed to work. And then it was, we just started, you know, playing shows and that band was called all Kings horses. You know, it really played sort of a few shows around, um, you know, around nature, our hometown locally. But that was just sort of enough to report it to sort of get that singing bug. And then I said to Border, I was like, man, if anything ever happens to that band, you know, would you sing for, you know, my band, uh, Horror Set? And he was like, yeah, man, absolutely. And that band, the other band kind of crumbled. And, you know, Border started singing for Horror Set. And then from there, uh, you know, as we sort of, the band was sort of like doing a few shows, not nothing outrageous. And then, um, 
we needed a, a fill-in drummer for some shows we were playing out of town, and I called up uh, a friend of mine, uh, Josh, who is the drummer of Blacksmith Trigger. He filled in for us like one time, like about five or six years prior to this, and then so he just jumped on, and, and it just everything just felt absolutely right. And then so we had uh, we had a bass player at the time, Ben, and um, and he was kind of more of a guitar player playing bass, a really great musician, but just didn't quite have the bass feel that we needed. And then so when it came time to really kick into things and we decided that we were going to start essentially from scratch, throw out everything, start from scratch, and, you know, who's the best bass player that we know? And uh, that was Dan. And then so we got together, we wrote for three months, we hit over to uh, Nashville recorded with Michael, and that was sort of how Black Smoke Trigger came to be. Was it immediately a collaborative effort when you guys were writing songs or, or was that something that as a band that you've decided that's the way you guys wanted to move forward? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely sort of just happened with, with everybody being able to collaborate because everybody in the band is such a, a great musician. I mean, like these guys, everybody is a great guitar player. And then so everybody can come up with riffs. Like everybody can pick up the bass and play the bass. Um, I'm not going to say everybody can play the drums or else if I'm, uh, you do not want to see me behind the drum kit. I'll tell you that right now. But, uh, you know, everybody can, can, can contribute in, uh, you know, for instance, pretty much like with, with every kind of, uh, every kind of instrument. And then so straight away, the way we kind of just started was just coming up with a whole bunch of riffs and, me and Dan would just throw the guitar back and forth and then, you know, figure out like the songs, the song structure and all that. And then we'd jump in the studio and then we'd just jam and we'd just jam and jam and jam and jam until, you know, everybody's throwing in ideas. And then all of a sudden we had a song. And then, so it was this, it never quite had anything like this where, you know, normally I'd sort of sit there and I'd just craft it myself um, over and over and over and over again. And then, you know, just, show the band how it went. But with this, with Black Smoke Trigger, uh, you know, everybody contributes. Like we might have somebody come in with a, with a, a song concept that's, you know, pretty well done. We might go in the studio just with one riff. And by the end of the day, we've got a whole song. We just jam. And just by jamming, it just seems to, uh, everything just comes together and it's, it's effortless and it just flows. And the thing I really love about it is that, you know, when you got, these, you know, we've got Black Smoke Trigger songs. They are Black Smoke Trigger songs. They're not songs by just one band member. You know, every single band member has their own stamp on every single song, which is something that I really like. That's interesting because everybody kind of has a stake in the game, right? Everybody, you know, has to believe in the effort that you're putting through, you know? I mean, I know there's probably circumstances out there where, you know, someone who doesn't really have much of an impact on the songwriting process may feel less part of a band because they're not writing, you know, they're not part of that writing process. Whereas you guys, it's more like a brotherhood with the, with the four of you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said before, it's just, it just flows and it's just easy, you know? And then, so, you know, I like the fact that, you know, for instance, with, you know, you can have it all like the video that we just released. It's like, we, I can break it down to, you know, in, like in individual parts of the song and who contributed that idea, you know? And then, so of course 
the now you know when I just listen to it, it's the song, but it's just so cool to see the pieces of the puzzle all together as one thing that you know not one member could have written that song. It's you know just such a collaborative effort, and that's the way that you know all of our songs are. When you know, everybody brings different things to the table in a band, and everybody has different influences. How are you able to mesh the influences that all you have? Is it just the way it is with with Black Smoke Trigger? Is it an effort to do so, or is it just blend the way it's supposed to blend in terms of it just, you know, it's organic? Well, the way I kind of think about it is it's like we've re- we, we already, you know, as musicians, we've got our influences that it builds us up to be, you know, who we are. And so when we pick up our instruments, or, you know, Fordrick's singing, or, you know, Josh is, is, is hitting sticks, is that all of that stuff is just organically there. And then so we, you know, we're already put together in the blender. And so all we have to do is just turn the blender on, and then and it, this stuff comes out. And then it's really interesting doing that because it's, it's like one of, one of those things where it comes out as a Black Smoke Trigger song, and so, for instance, no matter how much of an influence, you know, one band or, you know, a bunch of musicians might have had on one member, it's when the song comes out at the end, it's a song that sounds like, you know, the four of us because that, you know, <laughs> because everybody, as I say, has got like a stamp on the song. The EP is called Set It Off. This is now the second single that you guys released today. You can have it all. How was that recording process? You know, how long did it take you guys to come up with that? And what was the decision behind doing an EP rather than a full-length album? Well, see, so we recorded for two months in, uh, in Nashville with Michael Wagner. Um, he's done so many of our favorite albums, and so, uh, you know, he really liked what we were doing, and it, so it was an, an absolute natural choice, and we're going to be working with him again for our uh, first uh, full-length album that we're working on at the moment. We're really excited about that, and so you know, we uh, we arrived in Nashville. Uh, we got an Airbnb. We stayed there for for two months, and the the whole process was was really incredible. Like working with Michael and um, just developing the songs, and you know, coming out the end with something that we're all really really proud of uh, was just uh, it was just a, a fantastic experience. I mean, literally, we're working seven days a week. You know, we had one day we were not we. we you know, we're in the studio, but on that day we'd be there, you know, crafting our songs more and more. And, uh, you know, like being in the studio with, with a guy who's literally a legend and, uh, you know, this golden platinum records just hang on the walls. It was, you know, very inspirational. Obviously having, you know, Mick Mudd come in and, and play on, um, on the way I'm wide was, was awesome as well. And, um, you know, just sort of being in that environment for us. Um, being out of New Zealand just really helped us to focus 100% on the task that we were doing. And then so the decision to do a, an EP instead of an album was because we felt like this was, we, we wanted to really like just like kick the door down with you know our, our best leading foot. And originally we were planning on doing less songs. But the way that it worked out, we Michael just said, you guys can need to release all of these songs. You cannot hold any of these back. These are, you know, they, they all are Black Smoke Trigger songs. They all sound great. You need to release this. This is 
how you're going to, you know, make your mark and um, kick it, kick out like my trigger to the world. And then so we, you know, obviously Seven Songs is, is a, a a long EP. It's like you know, just under that threshold. And um, with the vinyl, we have uh, you know a bonus track on there. So there's actually eight tracks. And then so the again, like it was like a decision to say like that. You know, this is Black Smoke Trigger. This is who we are. This is like the first collaborative effort of the band. Uh, and kind of like a mission statement to uh, yeah, that's. I mean, literally, like set it off is literally it means for us. We, we brainstormed, you know, in Nashville, like what what do we call it? And we went around the whole bunch of stuff, and it was like set it off is what we landed on because that's really what we what 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 this EP is about. Is just you know, like we're planning on being in this game for a long time, and you know, we just wanted to blow shit up really, and so that's like. Explain that to the designer, and he was like, "I got an idea of this Molotov cocktail <laughs> about to blow up." You know, so that's essentially what we're what, what we're portraying with that. And then, so we want to, you know, have we want to have like a nice evolution from that to our album. And you know, from we've got you know different perspectives now on just the world we live in, and um, and you know, and and the the way that we write together and. Yeah, you know, in everything. So it's like we've and we've grown so much. We've we've essentially lived with each other for uh, like a year and a half, like two years now. And then so it's one of those things that you know now our our collaborative writing is getting better and better and better. And then so we feel like this album that we're working on now, when we release this, this is going to uh, to allow us just to get you know a huge amount of momentum. And releasing the EP to start with. It's just a great, you know, like sort of group, building the on-ramp. And then so this way we've built the on-ramp and then now we're ready to, to you know, go and record this album. Once that album's recorded, then uh, we're just going to be, yeah, out there as soon as we can. We're going to be, you know, touring, touring the world and um, just promoting the hell out of it because, you know, we stand behind the songs that we're, we're writing. We love the songs on the EP. We can't wait to get out there and perform those again. And, um, yeah, this, this album we all feel like is, is going to be something special. How did you guys get hooked up with Michael Wagner? Uh, I was in Nashville hanging with a friend of mine, um, Rick Barker, who he is, uh, he was originally Taylor Swift's first manager. And um, he's an awesome dude. And so uh, we'd just be hanging out, having a cigar bars. And I kept on going to America and he kept on saying, man, look, you keep, you keep going over the U.S. and you, you, you're not like coming to Nashville. Nashville's the music capital of the world. You've got to come here. And then so I went out there and stayed with him. And then uh, a friend of mine, uh, Ariel, who uh, she plays in Eric Johnson's band and uh, just phenomenal, phenomenal guitar player herself. Um, she's really like one of the best guitar players I've ever seen. Uh, she was there and I say, so I saw that she was there. I was like, hey, let's catch up. And then she says, hey, uh, do you want to meet Michael Wagner? And I was like, um, yes, please. So she took me out to a studio. Um, she said, you know, I just get feeling you guys going to get along. And, um, you know, <laughs> opening the door and just seeing, like, No More Tears, Master of Puppets, like, you know, Skid Row, like, all these albums just, you know, <laughs> like, draped on, on the uh, on the walls was um, awesome to see, you know, like, you know, in, in the house that he built, essentially, you know, like, with all these records. And, um, you know, just seeing seeing his studio in Nashville and, uh, and, you know, and talking with him, we just got along really well. I mean, so, uh, 
uh, Ariel says that, you know, oh, Charlie plays in rock band. He says, oh, you should send me through some stuff. So I sent him through some tracks that, uh, that me and Bordrick had, uh, had written. And he says, um, hey, man, I really like your stuff. It's right up my alley. If you ever want to work together, let me know. And then it was like right there. I was like, okay, sweet. Let's book it in. Let's do it. And then so that was like a, a really great way to really kick into things and, you know, Really, that's why I said, you know, I said at the beginning, we had three months of writing and then we head straight over because it was one of those things like, right, well, hey, if Michael Wagner says he wants to record us, then, you know, we better get our asses into gear, get some songs and get out, get over to Nashville, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great opportunity. And he's, you know, like you said, man, he's a legend in terms of rock albums and what he's done over the years and throughout the decades. How did the opportunity with Mick Mars happen? Uh, well, Michael uh, was and still is recording Mick's solo album. And, you know, Mick lives, uh, you know, relatively close to, to Nashville. And literally, uh, we got one song where we we're recording and Michael just turns around and goes, Mick would really like this song. Should I see if he wants to play on it? <laughs> and that was really as simple as it Yes, it was. And then we were like, yeah, hell yeah. So he, he called him up and um, he had listened to the track and he says, yeah, I'll come do that. So he came in and um, yeah, hung out at the studio for the day and, and, yeah, and play, played a whole bunch of stuff. And that's sort of just how it went. That had to be a pretty surreal experience with him sitting there. I mean, you've got Michael Wagner producing your EP. You've got Mick Mars, you know, playing on one of your songs. You, you're in the music capital of America that's I mean that sounds like a dream oh 100% man I mean you know it's like we're you know like four dudes from a small town here in Napier New Zealand and so to leave here to write the songs here and to you know jump over and just be as I say in that environment um, you know it, it was absolutely amazing you know it's like that's what we've all been working towards and then so you know to be there and it's like kind of like a testament that we had been doing the right stuff. You know, the the fact that Mick was there, the fact that we're working with Michael, um, you know, it just showed us that, that we're on the right track. And then, uh, you know, just being able to say, you know, like even just being on a plane as guitars, you know, like he's like telling, you know, like how it's all set up and this kind of stuff. And, you know, for a guitar geek like myself, it's just, it's just so much fun to be playing the guitar that I was, you know, that I watched as, a teenager on TV, you know, watching like DVDs of Motley Crue live. And I'm now just in the studio playing the guitar and that guitar is on Black Smoke Triggers to get it off record. So there's, there's definitely a surreal element to it. You know, it's amazing too, because he's such an underrated player and he's, his tone is so recognizable. And he, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that from album to album He's always trying to come up with a different tone and or a better tone than he did before. He's always playing around with that. And, yeah, it, that's got to be just a surreal moment. Oh, absolutely. And such a nice dude as well. Uh, absolutely. Like, his, you know, it was amazing just to hang out. And, um, yeah, it, it was definitely a highlight for us, for sure. 2020 has been... A terrible year, to not to just put it bluntly, um, in terms of 
people kind of having to put their life on pause. When you talk to musicians, that basically is their life right now. Their life's on pause. They don't know when they're going to be able to play live. They've got albums that they've recorded that they're hanging on to, that they're pushed back the release date into 2021. You ask them, what's the plan once this pandemic is over? The common answer is, we just don't know. We have an idea. We don't know when that's going to happen. America has had difficulty in getting a handle on COVID-19. When you look at New Zealand, New Zealand has been in the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, they've been able to really get it locked down. And other than a few cases over the last month or so, they've pretty much pretty much have gotten rid of the pandemic. I remember speaking with Paul Martin from Devilskin when this first started back in late March, early April. And he talked about just kind of doing the same thing every day and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what's next. I mean, they, they just released a new album in April and they were, had plans to tour Europe and possibly come to America. And again, they had to put, you know, their, their plans on pause. What has it been like for Black Smoke Trigger? I know you guys released the EP and of course your country has been dealing with it a lot differently than we have here in America. But when you kind of look across the globe, you know, because the rock scene right now is a global rock scene. It's not just, you know, the LA Hollywood scene or the Seattle grunge scene. What do you feel you know, is coming in in the next year, 2021, for Black Smoke Trigger. And where do you guys see yourself going? Is that still unknown, or is there some sort of plan? Well, we had, um, we, had we toured last year with Devil Skin. Had a great time with them. And then uh, we're also touring with a band called Like a Storm. And as we toured with Like a Storm again in, um, in February, March, and, uh, well, that was actually March. And then uh, after the first, uh, short leg of the tour they got pulled and then so at that point we are like right well, let's wait and, and reschedule things and obviously as the world got crazier and crazier then you know we decided like look after this we were going to work on our album so let's just make the album our 100% focus and it's one of those things for us where we're like you know I've got like a, a studio here at my place um, all the guys are here right now. Literally, they come here every day, and we're you know, we're working on songs together. And then, so we're, we're looking at it in a way of right: how can we make this a positive? So the positive is that we are stuck here to write this album. So let's write the best album that we can possibly make. And then, as soon as possible, as soon as we feel like we're comfortable with, with all the songs, let's get back over to Nashville and let's record this album with Michael. Now, once we do that, we obviously, once we get that album completely done, we don't know where touring is going to be at. So what we do know is that we can record a whole bunch of music videos for the album and we can, you know, obviously just promote the hell out of it, um, you know, online because even though we can't you know, necessarily be uh, physically in front of everybody, we can be in front of everybody on, uh, you know, on everybody's screen. So... So how can we focus on that? Uh, and then as soon as those shows start happening again, we want to be touring. We want to be promoting the album. But the number one focus for us is 
more than anything is let's just write the best album that we possibly can and let's get that album recorded. And then so we're not worrying too much about what's going to happen after that because, you know, I'm sure that the world's going to figure uh, figure this all out eventually. And then so once we get that album and uh, that's all done, then we just you know make a plan from there. But the, the number one thing for us is that, you know, we, we, we've, We've got a lot of fans now from from our EP, and we just want to make sure that uh, that when they listen to this album, they're completely blown away. So that's that's our number one focus. Is it difficult to write when you're doing the same things all the time? I know a lot of people need inspiration by just living life and the different experiences they encounter. What was that like for you guys? Uh, well, in a way, we kind of like things haven't really changed for us. Uh, like, you know, New Zealand's lockdown was relatively short, like four or five, six weeks or something. Um, you know, Dan, um, I, I just got him to stay at my place. So we were literally just like <laughs> drinking and, and playing guitar and like the whole time and writing songs together during lockdown. Uh, and then, so I think that, you know, inspiration for us is something that we've, we all have so much to tell. We all have so many life experiences. We all, you know, have so much stuff that already happened to us out there in the world. And then the last year was just such a crazy year for us that, you know, we, we already have so much like in us to, that we need to get out anyway. So, you know, right now it's one of those things that we, we're definitely not short of inspiration. Um, I guess we're lucky in that way where we all seem to be able to just find you know, that we just dig deep and find something and write about it. When you consider, you know, kind of what, you know, 2021 is, is right around the corner. Do you, do you view 2021 as kind of like 2020 part two, or, you know, just, you know, just throw 2020 in the garbage and just kind of prepare for what's going to happen in the, in the new year and keep your fingers crossed that it's all positive. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, when I think of 2021, I think of Black Smoke Trigger's debut album. Like, that in my head is, that's when, that's likely when we're going to get over and record it, and that's, you know, when we're going to be releasing it. And to me, 2021 is resoundingly positive, because no matter what, it, what, what no matter what happens in the world, you know, there is still people listening to rock music there are still people watching music videos and there are still people, you know, wanting to engage, wanting to, to connect with music. And we're, no matter what the landscape's like, when we're able to release this album, uh, you know, we, we've already seen, you know, just like, obviously we can't go out there and tour, but as, as you know, like we've already had the, we've had the EP out and then throughout this time, the, you know, new fans coming in hasn't slowed down. And then, so once we release the album, I don't imagine that'll happen either. You know, it's one of those things that if we were to go out and, and tour, we can only play in person to you know a small number of a small number of people anyway. Um, you know, compared to the big wide world. And then, so I guess it can, it can we can look at it in a positive where we're focusing on just building our you know our band awareness, like getting. You know, more people to listen to our music and um, 
And then so that one with once we can actually get out out there and tour, we've got more people wanting to come and see us live. And you know, the more people that are at the shows, that like you know, the, the energy just grows and grows and grows. And so that's really what it's about for us. So I, I, to me, I look at twenty twenty one as as it's going to be a really positive year. As far as New Zealand goes, is there places where you guys can play now? Is that allowed? Since uh, you know, since you guys have had so few cases, yeah, uh, absolutely. Like we've actually turned down a whole bunch of offers to play just because we wanted to really focus on the album. And there's, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there there are bands out there touring. Devil Skin are uh, they're touring next month, and um, you know, so there's, there, we could definitely be out there and playing. You know, New Zealand is a great country and we absolutely love it here in the grand scheme of things you can't play here too much because it's like you know like it's, a, it's such a small place and so we really want to be getting out there and, and playing internationally uh, as soon as we can and then so it's um well while we could be out here playing and you know having a whole lot of fun because we definitely have a whole lot of fun when we got to get out there and play uh, we're just looking at it like right well what's the best use of our time right now and that is that that's you know writing this album because Every time we get a new song, I mean, the first time we finish jamming it, at least one of the guys, if it's not me, it's someone else, says, I can't wait to play this one live because, you know, we, it's, that's what we all really do it for is that connection when we're actually performing live. You know, like right now, it's, you know, obviously a little bit limited, um, but uh, while there are, as I say, while there are places to play, we just really wanted to make sure that once that those doors open, that we're not just playing here in New Zealand, that we're you know out there stomping around the world, playing these new tunes to everybody. Rock and roll is different than generations past in the fact that it's struggling for relevancy. Rock and roll will never die. There'll always be people playing it in clubs, in theaters, and on stages across the globe. However, when you look at how new rock is struggling to get an audience because people prefer classic rock, especially people in my demographic. Not that I prefer it. I love listening to new music, but they want to hear what, you know, the songs that they know and the, and the comfort level that they have. I love the fact that there's so many new great bands out there right now, such as Black Smoke Trigger. Right underneath the surface, ready to punch through, how do you feel about the state of rock and roll? Well, the way I feel about the state of rock and roll is that people are looking for, you know, something to something to connect to. But you know, nothing is going to connect you more to music than music that you grew up listening to. And so, a lot of our fans are people who you know grew up listening to bands that we know, like, and love, and, and you know, and we're listening to on a daily basis, and we're wanting to go these shows and then so it's one of those things that you know people aren't as open to listening to a new band unless that band is really really going to cut through and you know like if a great band is you know it releases a song that people connect with then i believe that you know it doesn't matter about that kind of stuff the wall's going to be broken down and then that band is going to going to end up being relevant you know, no matter no matter who it is, you know, and then so I think that obviously the easiest way for you know people talk about you know like will rock come back with a you know with a vengeance and all that kind of stuff, and I, I think that it's one of those things that it's 
the music has to be good enough and compelling enough for the kids to to, to really dive into it. I mean, you, know, you look at, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne talking, you listen to, to Angus Young talking, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, they'd always just be talking about the kids because the kids were the ones listening to the music growing up with that, and then they're still listening to the music now. Everybody loves the music that they grew up listening to. And then so, you know, right now, it's really interesting for us where we're getting a young audience start listening to us because obviously we are a new band. And then so there are people that are going to be growing up listening to Black Smoke Trigger. And there's also, you know, uh, people that are more our age and older who grew up listening to other music that hear us and are starting to, starting to, you know, add us to their playlist in the mix with, you know, these other great bands. And then so it's, it's definitely like something that's a little bit different. I mean, you look at, you know, like hip hop and, and rap music is obviously, you know, hugely, hugely popular um, with, you know, younger demographics. I mean, you even look at like the, you know, the top 10 songs is there's usually not many rock songs or any rock songs at all in there. And then so, that's the way that, I, that, you know, I'm kind of looking at it is that, I mean, as long as we've got young fans listening to us, then that's, that, that's going to be the longevity because, you know, someone who likes music that we like um, and, you know, likes influences, that they'll probably like our, our music. Will they be, you know, as open to it as, um, you know, someone who's just discovering rock music? You know, can Black Smoke Trigger be the band that kids discover and, fall in love with rock and then, you know, do what I did and, and go start looking back at, you know, Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, you know. Uh, I think that it's, I, I look at it in the way of like rock bands need to be now focusing on opening the door for the younger, you know, younger generations because if we are opening the door to the younger generations, I mean, you and I both know how much great rock music out there. It's just we got to just knock on, not knock on the door with songs that are good enough, songs that connect enough, that are new and that are relevant. And from there, I think that's going to help, you know, build things up. If you get a fan when they're young, they'll be a fan of yours forever. I mean, that's just the reality of it. You know, they're going to grow up with you listening to their to, to, to your music. So that's, you know, so important. You know, forget the classic rock fan. The classic rock fan is not the demographic you want to go after. It's the young kids in junior high, high school, going into college that you want to connect with. And my next question on this is, kind of like a philosophy you know some people have some people don't but isn't it also important to or for black smoke trigger to just keep playing rock music and writing good songs and do what they need to do in terms of building an audience no matter what the state of rock and roll is because if it's good enough people will come listen anyway absolutely man uh you know the thing is that we the, the four of us just love playing. It's like, you know, this is what we do full time. And so no matter what, you know, like no, no matter what's happening, no matter, you know, like how many shows we're playing, no matter how many albums we end up getting, you know, getting to do, the, the number one thing for us is that we're, we're in this for the long haul. And, you know, we, we it's like, it's almost cathartic for us. Like if, if, if I wasn't playing rock music, I really don't know what else I would be doing. So it's, this is something that, uh, that I have to do. Just so happens to be in a band called Black Smoke Trigger. And it's, you know, important that, you know, if you guys keep releasing great material like you are, people will 
find you. People will want to listen to it. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, if pop music or rap music is the most popular. Let's just say that's always going to be the case. But, you know, you look at the band Rival Sons, for instance. Rival Sons has been around for 10 years plus. And people are finally starting to discover them, you know, on a national global level. And they're saying, how come I didn't know about this band? And that's why it's so important to keep listening to new music because you're being exposed to stuff that is different, although you can hear the influences of the bands that we all listen to. But I don't want a band like Black Smoke Trigger or a band like Dirty Honey or whoever it is to, like, you know, five, six years ago, oh, this band is great. How come I didn't hear about it? That's why we need to keep listening. You know, I often say that as a rock fan, we need to give back. And it's not like giving in terms of a dollar or money or monetary means, but it's giving back to the genre by listening to what's new because that genre gave us so much in terms of our memories and our life that we owe it to that genre to keep supporting it and keep supporting the the newer bands and the newer music that's coming out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's, one of those things I didn't listen to new music for for a long time because I was kind of like it you know stuck in my own world you know like my own where I was pretending like I was living in the 70s almost you know then I was pretending like I was living in the 80s just because of the music that I was listening to um, you know but being now like you know listening to bands like you know Ravel Sons Dirty Honey like you mentioned um, you know friends of ours like like Storm and Devil Skin you know they're still releasing you know, music like these bands are, are still on their way up and still you know like so early in their careers and you know it's one of those things that the I mean the, people are loving this music you know even though it's not for instance you know like selling the millions and millions of albums like you know this genre was in you know like the early 90s for instance it's there's still quality music being released you know, every day. So it's, I like that uh, the ethos you have of, you know, going, giving back and listening to, to music because they're passionate musicians, you know, just like there are passionate musicians in the 70s, 80s, 90s, there's passionate musicians today pouring their heart and soul into music and that music's only just getting released. I agree. Well, Charlie, it has been a blast talking with you about rock music, talking with you about Black Smoke Trigger. Thank you very much for doing this. Hey, thank you so much, Matt. It's been great chatting. And, uh, yeah, man, can't wait to uh, send you a copy of this album once you got it. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it, too, as well. And when you're down in Nashville, if you do some shows down there, I will definitely come and check you guys out. It's only about, I think, like a nine-hour drive or an eight-hour drive, so it's not that bad. But I definitely will make the trip if you guys come down there and play a couple gigs. Fantastic. Sounds great. Well, that's Charlie Walls from the band Black Smoke Trigger. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. And we will talk again soon. Take care.
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills, too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 